There's just too many dang stories to catch up with today. <laughs> too many. Calling for the government to limit the news. Yes. Needs to be 10% less news. So, listen, we're not big fans of injustice around here at the Armstrong and Getty Show, and we rail against it when we can. Uh, but the story we're about to talk about not only includes, I think, uh, a measure of idiotic injustice, but also is emblematic of a couple of trends that you know, that are going on these days that are highly annoying. Um, academia in ideological lockstep. Uh, the lack of good judgment, zero tolerance policies, et cetera, in education, and uh, and it all kind of, kind of comes together in the story of uh, what happened at Rockland, California High School uh, several days ago last week. In the the days or moments leading up to the big uh, student walkout against gun violence, a uh, history teacher at Rockland High School by the name of Julianne Benzel uh, posed some thought-provoking questions, devil's advocate questions, to her kids in the uh, uh, advanced placement history class about the walkout and the school policies toward it, that sort of thing, and uh, was sent home for, I think, a couple of days on administrative leave uh, for bringing up those questions. Julianne Benzel joins us now. Uh, Ms. Benzel, how are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. So why don't you, for folks who didn't follow the story closely, just outline what happened briefly. Um, well, very briefly, the Thursday and Friday, March 8th and 9th, um, preceding the walkout, which was on March 14th, I just wanted to make sure that my students were even aware. So I just asked, hey, are you guys um, informed of what's happening next week? And I got maybe two hands per class, so very few students. So I gave them just hmm, a That's interesting overview. right there. Yeah, exactly. Actually, it kind of confirmed why I was doing it in the first place, because they had no idea. Right. Um, and so then I said, OK, well, this is a brief overview. Um, I said, please go ahead and look this up on your own. Draw your own conclusions. Um, and I said, go home and dialogue with your parents because I'm a parent. I would want to know if my student was going to choose to walk out or not. And so make sure your parents are aware of this and have a dialogue with them. And then, Lord forbid, I opened up a discussion and I said, first of all, I said, are there any questions or comments? And some classes responded, some did not. Um, but for the most part, I just said, I just want to throw this out there. Um, do you think it would be appropriate if our administration, and I said, or any other administration in this country, school, um, nationwide, is this appropriate that one um, protest is going to be basically supported and condoned if another would not be? And again, I use the, the, the fallacious and, and apparently really provocative um, topic of abortion, which is discussed in numerous classes, um, that um, essentially what if students wanted to get up and walk out of class to go protest abortion? I said, do you think that would be tolerated? And would you be willing to support them? So if you're going to get up and walk out next week, um, would you be the first in line to say, you know, I, I get it. You can go protest your issue. Um, and most of my students, I mean, I, I know we don't have much time, but I had some amazing dialogue. They invoked um, Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail saying, you know what? If you really believe in a cause, then you need to be willing to sacrifice and, and face the consequences. And um, it was just a beautiful exchange from my perspective. But apparently there were two students and one parent who complained. And I feel like that was kind of rationale for my administration to just say, aha, um, you know, she shouldn't be doing this and look at two students complain. Um, and they literally called me. I was on campus on Monday and Tuesday. No communication, no dialogue, didn't ask me anything, didn't corroborate with any other 
of my other students. I teach over 120. And um, Wednesday morning, the day of the protest, 8.30, you know, I get to school at 9, so here we go, 8.30, you're on administrative leave, do not come in today. No reason why. And they didn't wow. tell you why, freaking cowards. You know, you don't have to say that. I'm going to say it. Freaking cowards don't have the balls to call you up and even discuss it with you. Freaking cowards. Wow. I let me let me interject just very quickly. I have it on absolutely unimpeachable authority that Ms. Benzel's classes are exactly the sort you hope and pray your kids will take. Um, in that history is used as a framework to look at. Uh, what's happening in the modern day? There's discussion. There's thoughts being provoked. There's, you know, ideas being challenged, that sort of thing. It's an advanced placement course in this case mm-hmm. in, in which kids' minds are being stimulated. They're just not being drilled on names and dates. So it's exactly the sort of thing you hope public education is. But well, so, and if you don't mind me interjecting, yeah, it is, I'm mandated, I am mandated by the California State Framework to teach. It's a standard to teach critical thinking skills. <laughs> That's really why we teach history. It's not necessarily all about what happened. It's like why and cause and effect. And to be very, very honest with you, this was just a little kind of moment at the beginning of the class. It probably lasted for five to seven minutes. And then we went on to discuss the Korean War and the current crisis in Korea. And so this God, that's good stuff. I would have loved that in school. We didn't have anything like that in school. I can tell you when the Stamp Act went through. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Julianne Benzel is on the line. She was sent home for a couple days from Rockland, California High School for daring to ask uh, probing questions about the school walkout. So I'm assuming having, uh, having realized the surpassing idiocy of what they've done, they, uh, they went ahead and apologized to you, explained uh, and, 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 and begged your forgiveness. Oh, you are far too gracious. I have not received an apology, and I genuinely believe that if it were not for the outpouring, I am overwhelmed. Um, first of all, I got a barrage of, I was telling Michael, your producer, I got a barrage of um, phone calls and emails telling me I have to tune in right now to your show. Um, you obviously have a very wide audience. Yeah, that's um, very important for advertisers to hear. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's very, very, very broad. Um, but they, I was overwhelmed because you don't know me, and you just went to bat for me like out of the gate. But the the undercurrent of this story that I'm taking from is the students, not current students, because they have rallied, this community has rallied, but students and parents from two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, I've been teaching this community for 20 years. I have an unscathed record and two students in one day basically were able to take me down. And so these, these parents and students who are taking the time to sit down and write letters um, on my behalf is just a little, a little almost too much. But no, I haven't received an apology. And I think because of all that outpouring, um, I do believe I, I think they were going to try and discipline me in some way. I'm not really sure exactly how. But because of the reaction to this, um, they backtracked immediately and tried to get me back in the classroom on Friday. And I'm like, you have turned my world upside well, down right now. Yeah, they're <laughs> meeting with lawyers now. They're meeting with lawyers. Right they're trying to stay yeah. out of trouble. Have, so have, they, they, yeah. if they apologize, it'll be admitting wrongdoing. And then they, you know, they, they don't want to go down that road. Have they even to right. this point explained why you were asked to remain home? Um, so no, that morning I had to make several phone calls, um, into the, the offices. Um, I need to know why I'm here. I need to run. I invoked, um, Kevin Snyder of the uh, Pacific Justice Institute. I knew I needed the best counsel because I didn't know what was happening. So, um, finally I got like 1133 hours later, I received a very generic email, which was on the original news um, story. Just tell me that I was on leave, but I, I literally had not been told why they told the news station 
before they told me. And then when we went to my our, our meeting to discuss this, the first thing out of the gate, my lawyer is like, is this a disciplinary issue? And they said no. And that this is just investigation. <laughs> like, okay, well, the Sixth Amendment to this Constitution clearly stipulates due process that you're supposed to gather facts first and then uh, condemn somebody. Um, so they definitely got kind of it backwards. I think well, we need to revisit the Constitution here. <laughs> what's astounding to me is that given your record and, and the number of uh, parents and kids that we've gotten emails from is, is amazing, um, uh, singing your praises, and I know some of the kids at school actually held some sort of walkout in your uh, in support of you. But what's astounding to me at at this point is that a couple of people complaining in modern America, where everybody bitches about everything all the time, that experienced school administrators would weigh that more heavily than the entirety of your record and your reputation. And not just go to you and say, Julianne, we got a couple of people griping about this. What's the story? Because they didn't even do that, did they? No. Oh, that's that's astonishing. Honestly, it's a little disheartening because, again, I I haven't haven't taught anywhere else. This is my 20-year career. Um, My husband teaches there. We met there. This is our life. And to have, just to your point, first of all, no, they did not come to me. It could have been a tough conversation. Hey, what's going on here? Again, pull out any random students from my other classes and corroborate these two students and see if there's, you know, that's what you do when you gather evidence, right? Um, but I, you just made a point that I find it, I mean, there's so many layers here, but I find it almost borderline frightening. Um, can you think of the empowerment that these two students think that they have now that they went and whined and complained and they just took a teacher out of school? Well, like, yeah, that's wow, that's just, that's oh the God. modern world. I mean, it just we. I mean, it, it works in the it works in the private sector and businesses that way too. One complaint, man, gets an unbelievable amount of attention, well, and it's ruined yeah. a lot of colleges because it's this Maoist thing. If you're reported for being non-compliant, not echoing the party line, you can be dragged out into the street. I don't mean to be overly dramatic. Obviously, Julianne was not dragged out into the street, but it's the same thing. But it's did just, you hear? Did you get to? Do you know what the complaints were? I mean, what were they complaining um, about? Yeah, so, so real quick, just to address what you said, I was not dragged out into the street, but I do feel like my name was defamed. And um, I can get over that. I genuinely can. But, you know, it takes a long time to build a reputation. And I had no avenue. Like, I am so, again, I'm so um, grateful and indebted to you guys and the news media outlets. I have such respect for the media, and I'm so fascinated yeah, you, by your Don't, don't do that. You'll lose that <laughs> soon enough. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, if you hadn't given me a voice, like literally, right. like how do I defend against this? I can't. And yeah. um, so I just wanted to, you know, I wasn't dragged out to the street, but, you know, my name kind of was. The, the complaints were, um, so they showed me these two write-ups, and one of them was literally a paragraph. So I'm just going to give you the whole gamut here. One cool. of them was a paragraph. Another one was a, 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 a legitimate um, page complaint. Um, I just think underlying was um the uncomfortability that i brought up abortion um it's what i gathered that um yeah that they didn't think that it was appropriate to discuss that and it wasn't you know a fair comparison and um you know it was honestly it was just kind of thrown in front of me um at this meeting so i didn't have a ton of time to process it um, but that's what I literally like looked at these two write-ups and I looked back at my administrator and I said, this is it. This is, this is all you have. And then apparently, obviously one parent wrote in or complained or called and I was 
literally astonished that that was what they were saying. The, the fact that you can't bring up abortion, which is one of the most frequently discussed issues in American politics. That's okay, please. Um, yeah. You know, I think yeah. we're losing our ability as a people to discuss principle. We always we just get hung up on the particulars and scream at each other. It's discouraging. Yeah. Julianne it Benzel is, is a history is teacher funny. suspended at Rockland uh, California High School. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just said thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. And keep up your good work. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. You know, we're fighting a lonely battle over here, Julianne, but it's great to talk to you. <laughs> keep fighting thank the good so fight, much. all right? Okay, you have a great day. All right, you too. I'm hoping that we get through this period of history. It's, I think it. I think it's got something to do with social media. Um, maybe, maybe not. But because uh, we've had it in our careers, and, and you see it here with her, and it, it happens, and whether it's hashtag Me Too or or somebody calls you a racist or whatever, y- you can have years and years and years and years of a reputation, and one person complaining can end all that. Be, w- w- without without any corroboration of any kind. If there is poor leadership in well, but place. But there almost always is, it would seem. Well, yes, it would seem that way. Well, there frequently the, the is. The bosses in all these different organizations just freak out if anybody complains at all. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we've reached out to the school in the district uh, for a reaction to talk with us on the air. They sent us a generic, carefully worded statement. They're sucking that was their thumbs under a- the blanket. Absolutely useless, uh, but did not call back. God, you you should defend yourself. You should defend yourself. Well, they can't because they don't have a good reason. You should. I was about to say you should defend yourself if you got a good reason, but they don't. You know, I can explain it to you what happened. We can do it now or after the break, but just very briefly. They got this school walkout thing. People are talking about it. It fits liberal politics, which, you know, and and frankly, the kids, no kid wants to get shot at school. Nobody wants any kids to get shot at school. So there's this righteous energy behind the thing. The administration says, yeah, let them walk out. And Julianne does precisely what you'd hope she would do in her class and ask some probing questions of the kids. This is a political demonstration that the administration is allowing. What about this issue? What about this issue? And the administration was probably just hoping, can we just get this over with and go back to teaching the kids? And she threw a fly in the ointment. And they're pissed at her. They're pissed. They're hoping everybody would just put their blinders on, put their uh, ball gag in, and not say a thing when she said something. So she upset their little apple cart. So they're pissed. Very courageous of you, though, to handle it that way, to just say, don't come in today. Why? Uh, I gotta go. I don't know. Click. (laughs) And then a couple of days later, you can come back. Why now? Uh, I don't know. Click. (laughs) That's some gutsy leadership. And and, by the way, speaking of having things on good authority, the other teachers there are pissed about the way she's been treated, Yeah, which is good. Wow. So there's a couple of books coming out politically that are going to really have the media going crazy. I mean, it's just oh, good. Gonna, yeah, what we need, right? One of them I'm in favor of. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Sir, sir, can you give us the exact reason McCabe was fired? Well, uh, yes, of course. Mr. McCabe was in clear violation um, because of his lack of 
candle, what I don't know. I can't even dance around. Trump made me do it. Um, I'm okay if he saw too much. The that, bizarrely yeah. elf in the Jeff Sessions portrayal. That's, that's uh, troubling. McKinnon. Troubling. <laughs> no kidding. Seems like something to loom out of the dark at you in the middle of the night. I was updating my funniest women in SNL history list, and I think she's yeah. securely in the number two spot behind well, Gilda she's Saturday. She's so good. Saturday night, she played like eight I, different people. I give her number one. I appreciate your reverence for the, the dead, but uh, I think she's number one. Still Kristen Wiig. But... Um, mm. But but that Founder joke of the Whig Party. But that <laughs> but that joke, you know, fine. You're making jokes or whatever. But a lot of actual news organizations leaving out over the weekend. It was the FBI's own internal watchdog group that recommended his firing because they determined that McCabe lied to them. I thought it was because Trump's trying to derail the investigation. And those are career people that had nothing to do with Trump. So you know that's worth putting in the story. A couple other things. James Comey's got his book coming out real soon. Uh-oh. He's going to do a bunch of sit-down interviews. I know CNN is really advertising one. I think that's going to be his first one where he sits down for a whole hour talking about the book. The book is called A Higher Loyalty, Truth, Lies, and Leadership. Whoa. <laughs> In case you had any question about the tone, <laughs> this is going to be unbelievable because he's got the triple threat of A, he's an author, he's trying to sell the book, B, he's trying to tout his own uh, credentials and, and purity of of virtue, blah, blah, blah. And and the, the the third factor is he wants to take some bitches down. Oh, yeah. So he's going to be like the best interview ever. He's, book him, book him, Anson. According to uh, Mike Allen, the guy that founded Politico, he's got a new thing out called Axios, and he said that uh, Comey's going to come out hot. I mean, like really swinging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I so get that idea. That's that's the whole thing. And he oh, worked, man. Comey worked under Bush and Obama, and he's going to compare those two guys to Trump, not favorably, I'm sure, and uh, so we'll have that. And that's going to be just a crazy media storm for like a week. Well, at least this placid, boring news cycle we've been enduring the last couple of years is about to pick up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Exactly. This uh, what there's nothing to talk about every day. Life uh, is about to come to an end because that's if fire and fury was good for a couple of weeks, certainly one week of every day coverage, right. which once again they mocked on Saturday Night Live as being just completely full of crap, right. which I thought was funny. This Comey book is absolutely good for a full week of media coverage. Oh, because it's going to be weeks. Because it's going to be all anti-Trump. Right. And But there's another book coming out that I, I want to talk about whenever we have time, because we keep running out of time, about how your uh, politicians get rich in office. Oh, yeah. Called Secret Empires. Top it's, priority. And it's going to take on both parties. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, my friends, beware. Big tech is spying on you. We have yet more proof of that. And on the plus side, amazing breakthrough. Fighting MS may apply to a lot of other diseases. Wow. Stories coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Giddy. That sounds uh, much better than your usual crap, yeah, Marshall. Yeah, something optimistic and uh, perhaps real. So that's nice. <laughs> you don't have a single coffee study for us? Uh? Oh, I do later on. Okay. What's Sorry. coming up? Some, some sex study from a website nobody's heard of or heard of? That'd be a good one. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Positive Sean, perhaps the only person in America that predicted one of the greatest upsets in sports history. We will play the proof for you coming up in a few minutes. The social media singing the praises of the wizard. 
the wizard of the Armstrong and Getty Show positive show. Very impressive. Um, so we'll get that in a little bit. Yeah. When you look at the numbers, I mean, it's just it's it's it was easy to see. Is did, what you I'm clear to you. did you break down the matchups? I, I looked at <laughs> yes, the stuff. You yes, did. it was clear to you, not anyone else. <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, I got another reminder: Big Tech is watching you. Facebook and CEO Mark Zuckerberg under fire from lawmakers in both the U.S. and Britain. This after reports in the New York Times and the Guardian that a data analysis firm linked to Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign called Cambridge Analytica obtained the Facebook profiles of more than 50 million users without their permission and then used their social media activity to create psychological profiles of the users so they could be targeted with political ads. Now, Cambridge got the user data a couple of years back. From an app that claimed to be for psychological research purposes here. Fill this out, download this. So about a quarter million people participated. They downloaded. Because of Facebook's rules at the time, the app was able to pull information from the Facebook friends of those quarter million people. Oh, boy. Which is how it got to 50 million. Oh, boy. If you're not terrified of Facebook, you ought to be. Now, theoretically, they've cracked down on that sort of, uh, you know, oh, they were leeching into all my friends through me or vice versa. Yeah, they suspended Cambridge on Saturday and saying, oh, no, no, we've changed oh. things over the last few years. So, anyway. So, but, but is Facebook in trouble to our people mad at Facebook, Facebook in this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're both coming under fire. In fact, well, one of your favorite uh, Democratic senators, Mark Warner, stating this is more evidence that the online political advertising market is essentially the Wild West. It is clear that left unregulated, this market will continue to be prone to deception and lacking in transparency. You know, Vince used to say, um, it's all out there. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. no, there's no secrecy anymore. Right. And I hated that, but he just might be true. Mm. I mean, he might be right. It just right. may be the way it is. It's just there's just no whether people hack in or companies lie to you or overlook things or whatever. How many different times has every bit of my information been passed around, and how many different ways? You know, it occurs to me we'd uh, attempted to book a journalist or two uh, to discuss this story, uh, gain a better understanding of yeah. it for ourselves and and you folks as well, and uh, they were not able to come onto the show as they believe they are more important. Or too important to come on our show. Somebody's butt hurt. Quick comparison of W2s would disabuse them of that notion. <laughs> wow. Who's important and who's not. What the hell was that? Damn Whoa. journalists. Did you guys hear that? Oh, yeah. I got a Pulitzer. What was that? You know wow. what? I wonder, though. I wonder, do we have listeners who are experts in this sort of thing who would, who would be willing to help us understand the story and what this Cambridge Analytica does and what... Facebook and how they use it and the current state of things. If you are that person, you can text us at 415-295-KFTC or email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Yes, Sean? Uh, if, if you guys drop a Baba Booey or a Howard Stern's penis on the air, I'm going to be so <laughs> upset with you listeners. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, I see Putin won his re-election over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations yeah. to Vladimir Putin. 76% of the vote. Oh, yeah, ran close. a really good campaign. <laughs> And the crowd was enthusiastic. Turns out that whole poisoning thing, people thought, well, would it be him? Because would you do that that close to an election? Turns out that was a huge hit back home. Yep. Right. Huge hit back home. Well, we had a listener point out in one of the emails that inexplicably disappeared overnight that I was bitching about earlier, but uh, point out that, listen, the poison that was used 
was absolutely known as a Soviet poison. It's easily identified. Everybody knows it's Putin. Putin wasn't trying to cover his tracks. That was his calling card. He left his card there next to the corpse. And he did it before election because he knew that the public would react with a, yeah, that's right. Our guy's a badass, and we do whatever we want, anywhere we want. And dissidents would react with a, hmm, maybe I re-examine right. my dissidenting. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, exactly. and remember, the guy was a double agent, so in uh, in Russia, they look on him as a traitor. Right. You know? How about his daughter? Yeah, I know. Well, and the cop and the other people in yeah. the public house. Yeah. yeah. Two men recovering from another explosion in Austin, Texas, the capital city's fourth explosion this month. Oh, man. The two guys were injured. They were out just riding around on bikes. Both are expected to survive. The police chief, Brian Manley, says this explosion was not the same as the first three. What we do understand now is that the possibility exists that this device was triggered in a different mechanism, that being a tripwire, and that is something that's very important for this community to understand so that we can all remain safe. What? tripwire. How does that... Okay, okay. he wants people to look out for tripwires, but... So, is this a, a really mentally disturbed copycat employing different techniques? Or is this a bomber so intent on hurting people? Even with this incredible level of scrutiny, right. he's still out planting bombs, yep. he or she. Austin police saying we are dealing now, it looks like, with a serial bomber. Wow, that's. What the hell is going on? Yeah, Austin's mayor says both men in the latest bombing are white, unlike the minority victims of the three previous attacks. Well, yeah, because people were desperate in that uh, liberal capital to, uh, to, you know, attach it to white supremacists or something like that. And hell, it may be. It just seemed a little quick to be leaping in that direction. It's like an IUD, isn't it? I mean, it's a roadside bombing. An An IUD. An IUD is a birth control device. It goes into your Yoo-Hoo and keeps the sperm from getting to your egg. More or less. Look at the doctor over there. <laughs> well, you want to check me next, Doc? <laughs> all right, all right. Stem cell transplants may hold the promise for people suffering from multiple sclerosis. A trial carried out in the U.S., the U.K., Sweden, and Brazil first destroyed the patient's immune systems, then started them back up again with a stem cell transplant. A year after the test, only one patient had experienced a relapse of the nervous system disorder. I'm sorry, out of how many? I don't have an exact number here. A bunch, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Only yeah. one, okay. Yeah, only only one, though, had, uh, had uh, suffered a relapse. And uh, the results have been released uh, recently at an annual meeting of a scientific group in Portugal. But this is looked, at, uh, looked upon as a major breakthrough. You destroy the, the immune system and then rebuild it with stem cell transplants. God, I hope all this stuff works as good as it looks like it might. Oh, my God. Huge, huge new world. Anyway, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Sean predicts the biggest upset in NCAA basketball history. We will play you the proof. Also, a new book coming out. It's going to explain how politicians end up rich. And uh, I like that story. I'm afraid it won't get enough attention because it takes on Republicans and Democrats. Well, we'll flog it here. Yeah. Let's get the author on, huh? So all that's on the way. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of, nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Wildcats, Wildcats, plus another Wildcats, Mountaineers, Seminoles, Jayhawks, and Wolfpack, Bulldogs, Blue Devils, Boilermakers, Orange Ramblers, Red Raiders, Tigers and Aggies and Wolverines, each and every bracket on the planet blown to smithereens, the Sweet Sixteen. There you go. <laughs> Didn't take a long. You know, my uh, buddy Mike, uh, Mike the lawyer from Chicago, is in 28th place in ESPN's nationwide well, that's pretty bracket. Good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Out of 7 million or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. miraculous. That's pretty but, impressive. But he's not the man they're calling the bracket master, <laughs> the the wizard of the tourney, positive Sean. If you're listening last week, uh, Sean breaks down the matchups based on the mascot. Yes. And he called the greatest upset in NCAA history. He's wearing a wizard hat right now with a basketball on the front. That's a good look, Sean. Well, in, it is Monday. In which well, a six, the tournament thing is just a coincidence. In which a 16 seed beat a one seed for the first time ever, and not only just any one seed, but the number one seed for the entire tournament. If you don't believe it happened, here's the tape from Friday. The Virginia Cavaliers taking mm. on the University of Maryland Baltimore City Retrievers. Cavaliers um, versus a retriever. So wow. I'm doing a little bit of extra research. I took a look. Their mascot does seem to be a golden retriever. Uh, double checking. Mm. Yeah, it's a good dog. Yeah. And the uh, the Virginia Cavaliers, they just, uh, they're not taking it seriously. They, they don't, don't care. care. Whatever. 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 That's My fine. Dude is, uh, all right, either way. Yeah, that's so Cavaliers is not actually a noun in this case. It's an adjective. That's how, how I'm interesting. taking it. Yes. Um, so I have the Retrievers. That's a 16 seed beating a 1 seed, by the way. That's a huge upset. <laughs> wow, so you've got among the friendliest dogs triumphing over the apathetic. Yeah, they yes. don't care. Yeah, right. Like, whatever. Whatever. I don't care. You know, When's the game? I don't know if I can make it. I, I got a know. thing later. You know, I, 16 has uh... never beaten a 1. That's eh, fine. I don't care. <laughs> whatever. But maybe, maybe they're due. <laughs> there you wow, go. And we laughed. We laughed. When I said a 16 beat to one, we laughed because we thought it was so ridiculous. But Sean knew what he was doing. Bow down before him. I welcome the laughter. It is only a learning experience when given the uh, added the ingredient of time. So. <laughs> or something. That's how yeah, wizards like talk, that. folks. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what the hell they're trying to say. <laughs> That's how wizards talk. Anyway, so congratulations on that. I'm glad you got your due in the social media world. Have uh, you have you posted that and tweeted that? And uh, I've I interacted with a lot of the uh, the congratulations over the internet, but I'll actually clip up this this clip out and I'll, I'll tweet this out. Oh yeah, later let, today. Uh, let me know so I can retweet it and everything. And then honest, I mean, your credit should be fully credited. Yeah, honest to God, uh, people have put together gambling scams on worth worse information than that. Oh yeah, you should do it. You should yeah. start ripping off the 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 slow and sad. <laughs> well, they're going to give their money to somebody. You got to get an eight hundred number. I'll give you your lock of the week. Just call. I'm, I'm the bracket well, master. I'm forty two and forty seven on the season. I got three divorces and thirty thousand dollars in alimony payments. Come on, I'm due. I need some help. If I don't get this one, the rest of the season is free. <laughs> so you've heard those ads. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they're sad. Um, so we mentioned there's a couple of different uh, things happening. The IG, the Inspector General's report is coming out, in which it's I think it's going to lay out why McCabe got fired, that he is a, a, a liar, just plain a liar. I heard it was just Trump trying to impede the investigation. Comey's got his book coming out, in which he is going to call the president a liar and go all across the country and do a book tour. That's going to be very exciting for us. Uh, but a guy who's written those kind of books in the past, Peter Schweitzer, and we've had him on the air before, he wrote the best-selling Clinton Cash, which was all about how the Clintons turned their whole foundation thing into making money. Mm-hmm. And uh, people on the right side of the aisle loved that book. People on the left side of the aisle never mentioned it existed. They dismissed it completely. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I could bore you with my description, but please, go on. But he's got a new book out called Secret Empires. 
how the American political class hides corruption and enriches family and friends, which is clearly happening. Bring but, it. But he takes on um, both sides, and on the cover, he's got a picture of Mitch McConnell and John Kerry and Barack Obama and Jared Kushner, so it's, you know, it's all wow. Nice. But I'll read you a little bit from the, the, the blurb in the review. Rather than risk their careers taking bribes for potentially minuscule rewards, which was which would politicians would be doing if they just flat out said, "Hey, give me you know, give me a bunch of money and I'll do this for you." A classic briefcase full of cash. Schweitzer points out how today's politicians are savvier engaging in what he calls corruption by proxy. While politicians and their spouses are often subject to rigid regulations on what gifts they can accept and what sort of business they can conduct. Others around them, like their friends or children, have no such obstacles. So while a politician could theoretically wind up in prison for accepting $10,000 for doling out favors, establishing overseas connections that could land your children multi-million dollar deals is much harder to detect and often legal. Oh boy. Note to self, call Declan, ask if he would be willing to launder money for me. (laughs) Foreign governments and oligarchs like this form of corruption because it gives them private and unfettered gateways to the corridors of Washington power, Schweitzer writes. So they know that that's the way it works. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure this is old news among those who benefit from it. Right. Uh, The Russians, for instance, perhaps. Oh, sure, they're the best at it. Foreign entities cannot legally make campaign contributions, so using this approach creates an alternative way to curry favor and influence American political leaders. Hey, would I be out of place saying that Paul Manafort, essentially, this is what he did for a living? Probably. Yeah. yeah, He brokered these deals. Yeah, sounds like it. Simply camouflaging these transactions as business agreements provides another shield of plausible deniability. And uh, they go through at length the chapter on Mitch McConnell and how I, he and his wife have become very, very rich. Ah, yeah. With their yeah. connections. And, you know, Tucker Carlson talks about this a lot on his show, actually, and has been for, for quite a while, on how everybody knows this whole influence thing goes on at the at the friend and family level. But for whatever reason, they get away with it. I'm glad mm. there's a book coming out that's really going to spell it out for particular people. I'm a little concerned that because it goes after both parties, it won't get near the attention. I don't know. I, I, I hope it does. That'll be a separate thing to keep watch on and will be interesting to observe. But, but you got to admit, if it was only going against Republicans or only going against Democrats, it would get a lot more attention sure. in those particular. Fox would go oh, crazy. Absolutely. Or MSNBC would go crazy. That's why I'm so curious to see how it is treated, because it ought to be uh, enormous. You know, the left hates Schweitzer because of the Clinton cash book, but he'd taken down righties before that. They conveniently ignore that. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But it is uh, notable that virtually everybody who goes to Washington to serve gets served and ends up super rich. I mean, Pelosi and Feinstein, their old men had legit jobs. But, I mean, especially if you're a developer or something like that, and you've got one of the most powerful women in Washington as your bride, you tend to get the contract. You tend to discover when that land's going up for sale or when it's not or what land might be needed when and a hundred other different things. Or where the highway's going through before anybody else knows and all that sort of stuff. Man, I'd like to get my kids some sort of six, seven-figure job working for some sultan or potentate or uh, oligarch or whatnot. That'd be good for me, too. Hey, son, uh, for Christmas this year, I don't know, maybe another house. Huh? Speaking of sultans. As long as the sultan's paying you, you know, 800 Gs a year. Last night on 60 Minutes, they featured the new leader of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Saladin, or whatever his name is, MBS. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and it was his first interview with a with a Western reporter, and we're going to play a clip of that and talk a little bit about it coming up. But he is he has already and is certainly going to change the face of the Middle East. You know, it might bring a war between them and Iran, but whatever. Uh, things things are different now. We'll get into that if you get the award winning fourth hour. Yeah. Okay. Speaks perfect English. Mohammed bin Salman. There you go. He's only 34 years old. We like our leaders to be well into their 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like the only leader in the Middle East who doesn't have to dye his beard a ridiculous shade of black. There's probably nobody in the Middle East, though, that more people are trying to kill than him. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's a good tease, huh? So he um, he has un, just unreal security. In fact, the, the last line of the interview was, is there anything that could stop you from pulling off what you want to pull off? And he said, only death, mm. which there's a lot of people rooting for. <laughs> well, if you get the award-winning fourth hour of the show, you can look forward to that. If not, to go ahead and check out the podcast. Also coming up on the show, with a straight face, apparently, a University of California Davis professor actually said Trump is consolidating power like Hitler. Surely that was a prank. For her fellow academics. Nobody is seriously saying that. Two new books about impeachment out, reviewed by the New York Times over the weekend. Oh, boy, the impeachment of what? Andrew Johnson? Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.